Hi, I'm Chris Bateman. I've worked with Terry Pratchett and Michael Moorcock, and now I'm working with Scene Worlds, which is infinitely cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Scene World. I'm AJ. Jurg is there. What's happening, Hello. man? Well, we are recording the intro of the next podcast episode, obviously. That is true that's what we are doing yeah uh, so in a minute we've got dr Wuro from that's, that's not the guy's name that's the company right well <laughs> he he calls himself dr Wuro as well as a okay. nickname and he calls the company dr Wuro industries okay, um sure. christian kleinsner yes and he is known for a lot of games Especially mm-hmm. four-player multiplayer games. He's one of the big guys in the in the scene right now, as far as producing new titles and new commercial-ish games. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, so we are very proud to have him this time. That's in a minute. Uh, before that, uh, there's some news that I have, and maybe. Jörg. Jörg said last time that he didn't have any news, and then he came out with like 25 minutes worth of news. So he says he doesn't have any news today, but I'm not so sure that I believe him. <laughs> we'll find Liar. out in a minute. Liar. Okay. <laughs> um, so just announced uh, as of a couple days ago on uh, Amiga on the Lake, there is a new replacement keyboard for the C64 by Kipper2K. Uh, it is called the 64MX. Really? Yes. We definitely should link to that. A new keyboard. Uh, we will. Yes. With keycaps or without? Yes, with key. Uh, I believe it's with. Um, maybe uh, the new keyboard will support multiple keycap sets, and it's reported that keycaps with symbols and letters will be available. Wow. So, and and it also will use USB, so you can use it with your PC and single board computer, also if you feel like it. Okay, but also with the original Z64 yes. board connector. Oh, yes. nice. They're taking pre-orders right now for uh, at Amiga on the Lake. It's not pre- You can pre-order Amiga replacement keyboards. He's also Kipper 2K has also made some Amiga replacements. So you can't pre-order the Z64 ones yet. Not not yet. No. <laughs> this was just announced uh, July 31st. They announced this thing. Uh, there's oh, a so couple. That, pictures. So like so like a week ago or something. Yeah. There's a couple of pictures. Um, one has some keycaps. They're different colors. Great. Um, yeah. So we'll link to we'll link to that in this thing. Uh, there are also, uh, I guess, there are Amiga replacements too. This is the first I'm finding about, out about this. There's a 500 replacement keyboards and a 1200 replacement keyboards by Kipper 2K um, with a full set of Amiga keycaps to go along with them, which is okay. surprising to me because all I keep hearing is about is how Nobody can make Amiga keycaps for some reason. And well, I still here, hope Phase 5 in Austria is finally yeah. coming up with theirs after four, four years. Yeah, but maybe, I guess, maybe Kipper figured out a way. Maybe these are old, you know, NOS keys. I, I don't know. But they are there. You can pre-order them. They're like $200 for the A500. And I don't know what the A1200 is. Wow. So they, they exist. And they've existed since like October of 2018. 
Wow, nice. Yeah. Um, so over in the Netherlands, Bart Veneker has been working on a C64 chat cartridge. Nice. Um, yeah, so he's been, and there's there's a bunch of YouTube videos uh, I'll re- release on this. He's doing this largely on his YouTube channel, which we will link to in the podcast description. Um, and it's it's called C64 Chat, um, and I guess it's kind of like an IRC-looking thing. Um, it's difficult to really get a good idea of what it is because I don't speak Dutch, but... If you do, check out his his YouTube video and try to figure out what he's doing. So that's okay. two projects that look pretty pretty bitchin'. Great, sounds sounds wonderful. Yeah, the Mega sixty five continues to rock. <laughs> so, do we have anything else aside from those two little bits, or three no. little bits, or however many little no. bits I had? Well, my NTSC NAS. From Venezuela, yeah. past customs after four weeks sitting Ooh. in Cologne. Woo! It was there for uh, 29 days. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. They're probably I mean, playing it. So by the time this podcast comes out, um, York should be currently in, in Gamescom. Well, well, we wanted to release this before Gamescom. Yeah, yeah, but so we but, said we said on the fifteenth, and yeah. I'm at Gamescom on the nineteenth. Right. So shortly after this is released, you'll be in Gamescom. Yeah. So, but probably, yeah. I mean, assuming people don't listen to this the second it comes out, they'll probably be listening to this while you're in Gamescom. Um, I guess most people from the statistics I see are listening it on the first day, actually. Okay. Well, then. This podcast will be coming out shortly before Jörg goes to Gamescom, and then the next one will be out until after he's back from Gamescom. So maybe some people, if you guys are in Germany and you might want to go to Gamescom and to the retro area where you'll find Jörg and some of our select other sweeties hanging out in the uh, with our Scene World de- uh, table. Yep. Go do that. Check it out. Yeah. Gamescom.global is the um, homepage yes. address. Yep. And link to that in the podcast description below. Um, yeah. So that's that. And then when you come back, I guess we'll be doing a uh, Gamescom retrospective. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Two parts this time, actually. Yeah. So that'll be nifty. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, eating burritos um, again. Burritos? Whatever, whatever that noise was, I was I was making a joke that sounded like a fart. Okay. What, what, no? what, what is that? Is that like a, it sounds like a, either a it's, disc drive or like a... It's my... You mean this? No, no. It's like a... Happens every so often. That's my phone oh, okay. leaning towards the printer. Oh, oh, okay. That's every my so- iPhone 7 Plus yeah. with the red front and the red back. Every so often it goes... It sounds either like like an Amiga drive trying to search for something, or fifteen forty one. Yeah, someone was eating beans. No. But anyway, so if that's all we got, then we should probably pop over to Christian Gleinzer or Doctor Woro. Yeah. Whichever, whichever name we prefer. Yeah. So 
Today we are talking to Christian Kleinzer, who is actually known for a lot of multiplayer C64 games he released commercially not recently. Just, not just multiplayer, but like four-player multiplayer. <laughs> All right, that too. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Glad to have Hi. you here. Hi there. So, I would say, let's start with the roots. How did it actually happen that you got involved in computing and the Commodore 64 and all that stuff? Uh, it, uh, it happened all the way back in my childhood. So, I was, I was born in 84, and I think I got into the C64 at around five years old or something like that. So end of the 80s or maybe even 1990 or something like that. And uh, I even remember the first games that I played. So I, I can really remember how the first uh, day with the Commodore was. And uh, the first game was Park Patrol. The second game was Wizard of War. And the third game was Super Cycle. Oh, yes. Super Cycle. That was one of mine, too. So basically, um, <clears throat> the story is quite funny, actually, um, how we got to the Commodore. So my uncle, he was uh, writing his uh, diploma or doctor thesis, something like that. And he was uh, writing that on a typewriter. And then he had a, um, a water, water problem in his uh, flat back then as a student. And uh, half of the work got um, wet, and then uh, he decided to buy a computer. And that was a Commodore. He bought it used, I think, from some friend or so. And uh, when he was done with his thesis, he didn't uh, need the Commodore anymore. And since he didn't have own kids, he gave it to us, um, which is my brother and I. And so we ended up with the Commodore. So that was... a. Uh, lucky thing uh, to to get this uh, because i don't know how it would have turned out if i would have started with a different si system maybe hmm. spectrum yeah yeah right <laughs> spectrum with beautiful colors yeah <laughs> who knows that's interesting that you mentioned your the, the first day you do you remember your first day actually having the machine yes yeah um, there's actually there's actually a picture um, on Facebook when I was on my grandfather's Commodore 64 in '87 mm -hmm. as a five years old, and um, I got mine when I was eight, my own in 1990. So um, the the age I started with the computer was the same as for Christian. But the story was different. Just my grandfather had a Commodore 64, and I got my own. So that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was and eight. This how it started for me. I was eight too, and I, I remember. I, I yeah, the whole day I remember because it was. Um, I it was a it was Christmas, and and we got it, and I opened it in the wrong order. So I was supposed to open the computer first, and then the game. But I actually opened the Frogger cartridge first, and then I, and I remember being like, "The hell is this for?" And I thought that someone had messed up because I thought they, they meant to get me like a handheld game and didn't realize it was a cartridge. So I, so I had to do the like, oh, gee, thanks, like pretend to like it, even though I, I, I thought that they, that, you know, my grandparents being not computer literate had just, you know, picked up something in the store and didn't realize what it was. I had the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> um, was it the same cartridge you actually gave? It is. It was, it was the one that oh you have. Yes. Wow. 
<laughs> and, I, and I'm glad and I'm glad I did that too because if I had kept it, no, you know, with with what we've gone through and and with me, you know, moving and all this stuff, I probably wouldn't have still had it. Uh, so to well, know, even even if I don't have it, to know that the original Frogger cartridge that I had in 1986 exists somewhere is awesome. And it's still working in, in yeah. exactly the same shape as it was 10 yeah. years ago. Well, I, I rarely played the game. I wasn't big on... Uh, it wasn't my favorite game. Which is a nice lead to a game from Chris <laughs> called Frog. Right? I know. You see, like how I, <laughs> that was my plan from the start. You like how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> So basically, you didn't get the cartridge. You just made that up. <laughs> no, actually, no, I, I did. Yeah, no, I and did. It. I gave like, it to him. Oh, nice! This is a, this this is a not so common American NTSC release. Yeah. Because um, to this date, um, I only knew the um, European release of Frogger. I've so. actually got another one over there too. Nice that I, I stumbled across accidentally someplace. Now you say you make it then in batches and yeah. tell them it's rare. Like Chris, like Chris Hillsbeck's um, Gia Sisters disc, yeah. the yeah. Commodore 64. Like somebody selling like 300 of them. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. I'm pretty sure Chris remembered all the, those batches where he signed them some yeah. years ago. Yeah, all 800 discs he signed. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, anyway, so this is how you got your C64. The, how did that start that you made your own games and all that stuff and became Dr. Vuro? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say I'm not Dr. Vuro, so I'm just working for him. Yeah? So he keeps me in his, uh, in his dark laboratory and he's telling me what to program because he doesn't want to do it by himself. <laughs> so that's the, the true story. But okay. So about the games, oh, first of all, um, actually the, the story continues because the, the C64 that we got as a, as a kid, it, uh, it broke down two or three years later and um, I got my own C64 in 1994, which was one of the last ones that they sold in the mail order company called Quelle, so it's a German mail order. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, not true. Not true. My grandfather got um, got some from Quelle '96, but not by mail order. But they sold it here in Frankfurt um, as a game machine in the stores. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. I didn't think that they sold it that late. They did, because. Um, I was speaking. I was spoken. Um, I was speaking to David Pleasants once, and he confirmed that after Commodore USA was bankrupt in '94, Commodore UK and uh, uh, Commodore Germany still kept making new Commodore 64 for two years later when ASCOM took over. Okay, yeah, I heard about that, but I didn't know if it was true because. I, I heard they had plans for Amiga and Commodore 64, mm -hmm. but I thought they only produced Amiga, so I didn't know that they also produced uh, Commodore 64. I don't think they necessarily made it was it was old stock. They weren't producing the parts anymore, but it was exactly. like they had these exactly. this stuff laying around, so we'll sell them. Exactly. So okay, for yeah. for uh, 100 German marks in '96, you would get a game machine called Commodore 64. Um, from the Quelle store in Frankfurt. Um, so basically, 
two years later still. Yeah. And it's funny because this uh, later C64s, they were really bad quality. So okay. just just to give an example, my grandfather, he, he bought one for me and one for himself because he only had the Pratt bin model. And um, he liked the Commodore 64C or Commodore 64 2 more because it was flat and you could it's, type better. It's so much sexier than the bread bin. That too. Um, and he was still using WizardWrite 64 to write his letter and all this correspondence. <laughs> so he preferred that. And so the first one he got couldn't run programs. As soon as he loaded in a program and ran, the computer crashed. And um, so he got another one. And the second one he got had had a problem with the expansion port. The expansion port was five millimeters too bold. So what? it was too, too, too wide. Bold. Oh, too wide, too wide. Too wide, yeah. So he said, okay, I, okay um, screw it. I'm not going to return the Commodore 64 a second time. I, uh, he, just, he just used tools and removed the overdue PCB. Okay. So that was really, really bad quality. Though they used parts that were broken to make new Commodore 64s. Well, that sounds like a bad plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, my grandfather was um, was attacked with, so he decided, okay, screw it. I repaired the Commodore 64 myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So sorry for this little interruption. But anyway, I wanted to correct the history here. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you got your, your own Commodore 64 in 94. That, so uh, what, what happened then? Yeah, so I was 10 years old. Uh, and then I also was interested in writing my own programs. And um, yeah, it started with text adventures and some stuff like that, of course. And uh, adventure games in general, because... I thought it's easier to write um, adventure games because they are not so fast-paced and they can be written in basic. So basically, you don't. I didn't know how to make an action game or something like that. <laughs> uh, but the bad thing about the adventures was I couldn't play them by myself because I always knew the solution. <laughs> and, and there was one friend of mine, he suggested I should wait until I forget the solution and then play it. Yeah, maybe today I could do that. <laughs> okay well as a kid how long it takes till you forget a solution that could take 10 years or longer yeah. or whatever that's, that's true yeah so most of my games back then in basic they were just adventure games and yeah i i kept programming until i think in 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 the end of 96 uh, we moved over to the pc and then I discontinued my C64 programming, but it still was always in some way um, interesting for me, the machine. So still I was using emulators very early. I think it was in 1980, uh, 1998 that I got my first emulators because it was exciting for me to play C64 games on the PC and so on. And um so, so basically, the C64 never really faded away, but um, I gained regained more interest in, I think it was 2005 or 2006, when I read about the game Joe Gun, which was basically um, 
at that time for me a, a sensation because it was a new game for the C64 and it wasn't so common as today. Uh, where you get, uh, new games basically every week or so, but that back then it was really a sensation. Yeah? So I I really liked the game and I thought hmm, maybe I could do that by myself somehow. And I was interested in learning assembly language on the C64 at, at that time. Um, so that which was, was probably a piece of cake for you, right? No, not really. I thought it would be a piece of cake at that time. I thought it. It can't be so complicated and so on. But then when I made my first project, I quickly realized that it's a bit harder than um, I expected it to be. But at some point you get into it and then everything works much uh, much nicer. But uh, but actually, to be, to be honest, um, I'm not the super assembly, super demo coder or something like that. So that's, uh, that's why I make those simple games. Yeah. Wow, that's... It's... Well. Good enough. To, simple yeah. is relative, though, because I mean, That's again, you're using there, there's there's one of them. The, the Frogs game is a four player game that has to use special yeah. hardware to do it, and that's not your typical run of the mill. And That's even just, true. Just doing games in general. I was a demo coder, and I did some utility stuff, but actually coding a game was always like far more difficult to me because there's so many variables you need to take into consideration, and you have to think about you know the user interaction with it whereas the demo this is what you're looking at and you don't do anything with it i still want a new test drive for the commodore 64 <laughs> don't ask <laughs> I me say it, i say i say it every time i we talk to a game coder i always say make a new game a test drive game for the commodore 64 <laughs> <laughs> i'm missing that i'm missing this inside car view and all that stuff that was awesome Okay. It was awesome up until I got a car. <laughs> I still don't have a car. So well, there awesome you me. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I never really liked test drive. It was too slow for me. I don't know. He's got a but super CPU, the, though. Yeah. Yes. And, and on the American machines, it's running 23% faster. And it's actually okay. making fun. I don't know. I still think it's pretty slow and unfun on my machine. Well, try it twenty-three percent slower on Paul machines, that and you will be, totally change your that mind. That would be painful. That's <laughs> so we got st we got stuck in traffic here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, right. That's that's what they should make a game. They should make a game like like that's just like you're stuck in traffic. You know, like like the desert bus game where it's like you actually just have to drive a bus for twelve hours or something. They they should do that where you like got to commute to work for three hours every morning. Yeah, that reminds me of the, you know, um, American, great American cross-country racing. Yeah. Where oh, you, have to, you have to push your car along the street if you, <laughs> if you have no fuel anymore. Oh, yeah. I remember that bit. Yeah, my, my brother was always playing that game. But I'm not so much into driving games. So, so I have to disappoint you with your wish. They drive you crazy. <laughs> Driving games on the C64 were never like because because using a joystick and and or keyboard and stuff and it's like that's not when you're when you were a kid maybe all right that's cool but now it's like I know how a car works so I have a I have a I have a steering wheel yeah so do I I had I had a steering wheel too but it was like like you turn it to the left and it's like full on left because it's 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 a digital 
uh, joystick or, or, or thing. So it's like left is like all the way. So if you were driving like this in real life, you'd be like, boom, to the left, boom, to the right. There's no, <laughs> there's no subtlety to it. You know, it's, it's, you can't just like turn slightly to the left. No, no, no. It's like balls out to the left if every time you want to do it. Okay. So now we know why Christian is doing, not doing such kind of games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless unless you want to come up with an analog joystick device and then we can go in there and then you know, well, make there, it subtle. there was actually one for flight two but it never was sold in big Fl- quantities flight simulator two yeah oh see that would have been cool because that game yeah. was was in as much as it was realistic as far yeah. as the physics and everything go you know again yeah. you touch the, yeah. the stick and you're like off to the side and it's that's not and, and there was one for refs which is a formula three mm. simulation Okay. And the first version, so not the gold edition, was only playable on um, analog joystick or mm. keyboard. Okay, okay. And then they made Shadowfire, which also supports all kinds of interfaces, and that was coded before the interface existed. Oh. <laughs> See, they need to make a, a like an adapter so that you can plug in your analog joystick. Because I've got, you know, they make them where you can plug in a USB stick or something like that. Mm. But... They don't. None of them use the analog. Yeah, but but it. wasn't there wasn't there a driving wheel adapter recently? Uh, not, not maybe. I think there is one, but I don't know the name. But I think the driving wheel adapter. You should send us the link so he we can. Isn't it, isn't it is. Inception or something, or is the Inception the eight uh, eight player adapter? Hmm. AJ will dig it up. He's sure. master oh, and yeah, there is one, but I think there's only one game or so. That's good enough. Oh, it's the I know the game. I think I think the game is uh, um, speeding on the A81. So we will torture you <laughs> long enough so you make the second game for this steering wheel. It's good. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I, it was it came out in 2013. It looks like it is. It is the Inception, it's an eight joystick adapter. Um, supports eight joysticks for multiplayer, supports eight PS2 PC mice, C64 mouse simulation, easy plug to one joyport, automatic detection, uh, external math coprocessor. But what kind, what kind of game was that? I'm looking at the Inception thing, but I don't know what the game oh, Okay. Is. Then I mix that up. So the the game that you're looking for is speeding on the A eighty one. Oh yes, that that is. All, I got I got I got a copy from um, Polyplay. Yeah, they released yeah. it a few years ago. Yeah, and I think they support the analog steering wheel or something like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at Polyplay right now. It's a collector's edition, speeding on the A eighty one. It's in German, so I have no idea what I'm reading. But Polyplay <laughs> also has an English version of the homepage. Yeah, Spice Repair Settings, Das Spiel merkt sich ich lieben. Just switch to English. You know what I love about the uh, about the uh, German language? Is that what? like you invent new words just by like taking different words and sticking them together. <laughs> well, don't you do that too? I remember Not when I really. was when I was reading when I was reading Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone. You came up with the phrase "good for nothing husband." Yeah, it's in the book. But that's, that's, that's a phrase, though. That's a phrase. Like we, it it's, no, they, they wrote it like a dash word. Right, right, right. But that's still multiple words. It's just meant to be uh-huh. in one thing. Whereas there's some there's some words in here. I'm on the English version. It's still in German. Um, like Lieblingsseinstellungen. 
Well, then try it on a browser. There it works. Yeah. <laughs> for the PC, not for the mobile. This, this interview is going great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, we talk about games. Why not? So anyway, we still didn't get to the point. Um, why, Christian? Yeah, we're still on that that first question still. Yeah, <laughs> well, why? Why you got into game development and how? In uh, game development in general, or just for yes. the C sixty four? Yeah, in general. Okay, so yeah, basically, I was always interested in that, and I started on the C sixty four in basic. Actually, I was obsessed. Uh, with uh, creating 3D person sh uh, first-person shooters on the C64, which I never really uh, managed to do, but I started four times or so. There's actually a um, video of one of my efforts on uh, YouTube, but it's really basic, and it is done in basic, actually. So basically, I was at that time, I knew the games Doom and Wolfenstein from my friends, and I wanted to make something like that on the C64, but... Until this day, I haven't managed to do that, so I am. So this will be my eternal quest, maybe. But um, yeah, so that was how I started on the C64. Later on the PC, I continued to write in BASIC mostly and so on. And um, yeah, that's how it emerged. But but really, um, I picked the, the 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 topic up a few years back ago. Um, to um, go back to the C64 because I was getting more into retro gaming again with my friends and they had the multi-joy interface for the Atari XL and they were playing the eight-player games like um, Chervi and Helicops and stuff like that. And I was um, amazed by the, by the simpleness of those games and the party factor. So... Uh, for some reason, I, I thought, um, why not make something like that for the C64? Because I also had the four-player adapter. A friend of mine gave it to me once, and I never really used it. We played once uh, with it for uh, a match of Bomberland or Bomber... Bombmania, Bomb I mean. think it was Bombmania. Well, mainly um, from yeah. ProtoVision, yeah. Because yeah. that is also where the adapter came from. It's the ProtoVision yeah. for yeah. player adapter. Yeah, Yeah. so I was at one of my friend's uh, retro meetings and they played the... Uh, we played those eight-player Atari games again and I had my C64 with me and the four-player adapter and I thought it's, it's kind of sad that there are um, not so many cool four-player games for the C64 because I have the adapter, I never use it. And then I had the idea to um, create a new game for this um, machine and this uh, adapter. And the game that emerged then was Shotgun. I think, I, I, I hope you both played it maybe once in your life. Mm -hmm. And um, it was released in 2016. So the, the, the idea is quite simple because I wanted to make it similar to those Atari games where you have not much overhead, not much introduction and so on, simply a quick match of playing against each other. And that was basically how it started then. And, and that game was becoming quite popular as a quick party game and that was the reason why i continued with my next game frogs awesome. yeah, 
It's true. Can we have a I, review of, of Shotgun? I believe that Andrew did a review of it on the... Of course we have a review of Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, Andrew Fisher, our dear Andrew Fisher, picked it up and made a review of it. Unboxing and review, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And... Um, I think it is due to to this that I actually got in touch with uh, with Christian, and um, yeah, f- it's true. The first time I heard from from him was about this shooter game. People told me like, "Ah, you have to play this game. It's great," and it was played at HomeCon and other events I went to. And they was like, "Hey, look, this is this guy who made this game." I'm like, okay interesting so was was pretty simple and then then i was ordering more games from christian directly and this is how i got in touch with chris over facebook Mm. um i think i'm not sure if i remember but i think i was i was the person who got the last copy of the frog special edition right that's true yeah yeah that's true it was i think I think it was even reserved for someone else, but he didn't want to buy it anyway, or, or something like that happened. I don't remember exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so well, that was, um, yeah, that was you, the lucky, the lucky buyer of uh, the last limited edition of Frogs. Yeah. Hmm. Not to say lucky bastard or something. <laughs> yeah, I meant that, but I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> beep. Yeah. Uh, it's not. That's not a beep. We can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right um I, i'm still waiting for that magazine you wanted to send me i hope that's happening too uh you mean the christmas magazine yeah exactly yeah that's a different story should i t- talk about it oh yeah sure why not okay. let's talk about your christmas magazine <laughs> okay that sounds quite interesting if if someone doesn't know what it's about but yeah it, actually it's a basic programming christmas magazine and it was a quick idea that I had in uh, before last Christmas, yeah. So it's not a reference to the to the song. So last Christmas, I had the nice idea to um, because many people actually um, uh, feel some kind of connection between Christmas and C64, as we have also heard in AJ's story. Yeah, so, my, my, I also got mine on Christmas, so I can totally Yeah, but, but still many people, I have heard that many people, when Christmas comes, they also think about their C64 and maybe they pull it out again and sometimes also teach their kids a few basic stuff and so on. And so my idea was, um, why not make a small basic magazine that that has a this it's like a it's like a listing magazine back like back from the day so mm. there are some basic listings which all have some kind of christmas reference and they are all made by different authors so not all the programs are made by me so it's it's um it was a collaboration uh, in the forum 64 Hmm. And um, I wasn't expecting so many, but I think in the end it was something like 21 or 26 or something like that. So it was or 20. I think it was 20 programs and um, some were pretty long and some were pretty short. But uh, every um, almost every program had at least some reference to Christmas. 
And the idea was to print that into such a listing magazine just for fun and to make it, um, yeah, to, to uh, the, the, basically the idea was that people buy the magazine and then at home at Christmas they sit down, put up their C64s and really type in the programs and have fun with that. So it was really intended to, uh, the program shouldn't be shared as a D64 file or something. It was really intended to be um, uh, typed in. And the resonance was quite well from that project. And also, as I said, there were, there were many programs coming in. And it was also a bit difficult to get everything working before Christmas so that people really got the magazine in time. But in the end, it worked out, and it was really a fun project. We printed around 100 pieces. And, um, yeah, so there were really people telling nice stories how their kids typed in the games and mm -hmm. were really happy with that. So one guy, he talked about his 80-year-old daughter or something like that. She was really having fun with it, and she was also... Uh, she didn't want to turn the pro um, the program off and so on, so she she kept it running and so on, and she was deciding what to type in next and so on. So it was really really a fun project after all, and I'm glad that everything happened like it like it did. And I promised to make a reprint of it because I wasn't very satisfied with the paper, and also there were some issues. Um, so there were some. Um, print errors in the listings and with the checksums and and everything like that. So we decided to um, reprint it. But actually, when Christmas was over, I was a bit, I don't know, not so much in a Christmas mood. And I had a lot of other things to do. And um, now I decided to wait until next Christmas, because next Christmas we will make a volume two mm -hmm. with new programs. And we, uh, my plan is to reprint the old issue also, mm -hmm. so that next Christmas it's it's a better time because at the moment the summer is coming, and I think uh, people are not so interested now into having this comfy Christmas magazine. So I think it's better to wait until Christmas again. Um, as long as I can get both copies, then the first and the second volume next Christmas, I'm totally fine with that. Of course, as I said, the reprint will happen and I will not make it limited or something like that. So right. yeah, there will be a reprint and um, maybe if, if everything works out, maybe we can have a new one each year. So that would be really nice. And now thanks to this announcement, you got a lot more customers. Yeah, yeah that's also cool. But uh, I, have to, I have to say the whole thing is in German language. So... Um, but I think it's still interesting to type in the, the programs. Sure. Maybe I'll dust sure. off my basic programming uh, skills and submit something for it. Although you'll need to translate it because I, I, I can't code yeah. in German. I guess I guess um, the, the only words most Americans know are like Papiere bitte and Guten Tag. What was the, what was the first one? Papiere bitte, which means papers, please. All uh, that, or I Ausweis. That I don't it, know. That it was all digital samples in Karl von Wolfenstein. Oh, 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 yeah. No, I remember from like you know Wolfenstein was like you know Guten Tag. Them saying yeah, that. exactly. I have nightmares but that, about that. But. but but that was only Wolfenstein 3D. Yes, that yes. only said Guten Guten Tag. Yeah. But the original Wolfenstein had a lot more language in it. Oh. <laughs> uh, you mean the 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 Commodore and the Atari version? 
Exactly from Mu Software, oh, yeah. which which were the base for Commod- uh, for um, Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah, yeah from it's actually yeah. quite interesting, but I have to say it's. I didn't enjoy playing it much, but I think it's a really, it's still a really interesting and important game because it was really, uh, Wolfenstein 3D was really a remake of that. So they also, they also um, said that in interviews and so on. It was not a coincidence or something like that. <laughs> I know, I know. We will link to this interview with John Romero that I did last 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 December. Yeah. So people can hear it. Where he says it to me yeah, that so, it was a successor. So, yeah. So, but so what was the what was that first word again? Say, say it again slowly. Um, Papiere bitte, papers please. Okay. Or uh, there's another different way would be say, Ausweis bitte, <laughs> which also means papers please. Okay. Though okay. they used a little bit of variations, so it wouldn't sound so dull, you know, repeating oh. all the same things. Yeah. Just like space taxi. Yeah. Where yeah. you have. Pad one, please. Pad one, please. Right, Pad right. one, please. Or something, you know. It's all the same voice, but yeah. different. Yeah, stuff. no, I, I know, I know. Guten Tag, and I know that that hose in our pants. Yeah, pretty, exactly. pretty, pretty much the rest. The rest, everything else is just, just. It's, it's like with French. As long as you finish your sentence with like ha ha, then you're speaking French, you know. In German, uh, as long as you do it while you're yelling, then you're in German. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is not true, of now, course. I, I know that, but I just. Uh, you know stereotypes. Yes, yes. Uh, just like no Chinese can can pronounce th and r. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, and and as long as you're like you know, waving a flag and shooting guns while you talk, then you're an American. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get political here. <laughs> well, that's totally true, though. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. nothing I like more than shooting guns while I talk. <laughs> And wave flags. Exactly. Which is how Christian got the idea of shotgun, right? Yeah. That's, you that's, wanted to make a very American game. That's pretty much a trip to the store here. <laughs> 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 yeah, actually, um, I don't know if, if you noticed that, but in shotgun there are some, um, like, I don't know how to call it, uh, like like um, like plants in mm-hmm. their plant uh tops or whatever yep. you call it so i don't know exactly how i got uh, this idea because normally you're just running around in a in a in a brick wall maze but those those plants actually make it like a it could be a office building or something like that so <laughs> i think that's a bit weird but as i actually don't remember the how exactly i got the idea for that but everyone asks what they are for and they have no real use, so it's just for decoration. <laughs> but it's it's pretty. I think it's pretty funny. You, you know, it looks. A... It's a lot like my where, where I actually work. They have a love affair with with plastic <laughs> plants. In every building that you go into, there's just these. Every it, it, it's almost like that. Every corner there's a plastic tree sitting there collecting dust and taking <laughs> up space. So, so I hope that uh, video games don't affect you too much. <laughs> um, I have the feeling I've heard this before. Wasn't there this famous frame from uh, this famous sentence from um, A Team where Hannibal says, "I like when a plan puts together." That's every episode he says, "I like when a plan comes together." Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No. No. Not planned. Planned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a difference here. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, what wow. a cheesy joke. Wow, that was that's pushing it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say when a plant puts uh, together. Yeah. He said when a plant puts together. He's got like a like a twig sticking out of his mouth instead of a guitar. Or a guitar. A guitar? What the hell am I talking about? A cigar. A cigar. Yeah, he smokes a cigar. He doesn't have a guitar. <laughs> wow, we re- really derailed. Good lord. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes, but yeah. Never had so much fun during an interview <laughs> as today. <laughs> do, do you know the game on the C64, Root in Tutin? I've never heard, heard of that. I have heard it, yes. Um, I think there's also, so so in my imagination, I imagine that um, a music teacher made this game, yeah, for some reason, because it has classical music and you are, it's, it's a little bit like Pac Man, but you're a tuba. Uh, is it called tuba in yes. in English too? Okay, you're, so you're a tuba walking around a maze made out of note lines. So, and, or I, I don't know how you call it. So where the written notes, like sheet music, and the maze is made out of those, and you are walking about uh, on on those uh, lines, and they are um, musical instruments who are also a little bit like living beings. So there are. Um, violins that look a little bit like cats, so it's a mixture between r- real living creatures and musical instruments, and they are chasing you, and you have to blow off all the notes from the note lanes with your tuba, and it's a really, I don't know, it's it's a really charming game, you have to check it out on the C64, and um, that was... I don't remember how I got to this idea now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> totally written by... A, we were a, talking about cigars and guitars, yeah, yeah. so I, that was, that was, um, yeah, so it, it's a mixture between uh, musical instruments and animals, so you have to check it out. That was totally written by like a third grade music teacher. <laughs> you also have to listen to the music of the game, it's really funny, it's, it's really charming. <laughs> check it out. Well, I have to say... One thing that I really that I really loved about the 80s was that uh, people actually invented new genres um, just for the fun of it. I mean, for example, flight simulation on home computers, flight simulator, flight two, was invented by a pilot who, ch- who just learned assembler assembly uh, language because. He was having a course in a, in a university about aerodynamics and physics while flying, and students totally were fascinated by that. And he was like, "Wow, okay, now we have phone computers, so why not using that and invent something like um, flight simulators?" And so, it was a good, it was, and, and it worked really well because because, and I've told you this before that you know they used that at the flight school that I went to. But also my very first uh, uh, tryout flight, you know, I, I was he was showing me everything in the plane that the instructor and I was like, yeah, and this is and I was kind of cutting him off and saying and he's like, oh, have you done this before? I'm like, no, I've got flight simulator, too. He's like on the <laughs> Commodore 64. He's like, oh, you're good then. He's like, just take off. <laughs> yeah, because normally they take off. And then when you're up, they're like, you know, OK, now you can steer the plane a little bit and, you know, and get a feel for it and whatnot and decide if you want to do this. But once I told him that, he's like, ah, you're good. He just sat back and took a nap. Because <laughs> it was that realistic, you know? What are we talking yeah. about? Why are we here? <laughs> because we are talking about uh, computer games with Christian Kleinsner. Yes, that's true. That we should be cool. talking about Christian Gleinsner's computer games. 
<laughs> Aren't we? I mean, we talked about shooter, frogs. Um, actually, the latest game was actually Shadow Switcher, right? Yeah. Let's talk a bit about that. How did you get this idea? Because I found it um, a rather interesting new concept for a game, which is something that is a novelty nowadays. Yeah, so the idea was... Um... Actually, really, the idea came that um, I had some strange music in my mind that sounded a little bit like a national anthem from Summer Games or something like that, but it was my own melody. And I suddenly... Um, you, you, you also maybe remember the, game, uh, the, the music from Crystal Castles in the beginning, like... And it's a, a little bit... So it's annoying and over the top and really bad sounding. And for some reason, I had such a melody in my mind and I tracked it down with Goat Tracker and I thought, okay, I have to program a game with that music. <laughs> and um, my idea was to make a very, very classic game. So I thought everyone's trying to push the limits of the C64. Everyone's trying to make better graphics and cool stuff. And I thought, why not make a game that is really old school and really more like the like the really old crazy games where everything is going whoop and teet and and yeah. stuff like that and like like um, a thing on a spring and stuff like that. So the really crazy stuff that was uh, my desire. And then I thought about ideas and uh, yeah. Uh, in the end, the game that really came out was not that crazy, actually. So it was it, it turned a little bit into a different direction. And also the music that I used in, uh, actually in the background is much less annoying than what I had in mind in the, in the beginning. But I used that still for the intro. So if you start the game, there's a logo coming up from Dr. Vuru Industries. And it's also pretty old school. So there are small yellow stars surrounding it. So like a typical... 1983 game so something really simple and so the music is still in there in the beginning and and the idea was to make a really really old school game like um yeah you know like jumpman junior and stuff like that so really old school not trying to push boundaries but uh, of course i still wanted to make it very playable so i i invested a bit of um work into the control of the character because many of those old games have the problem that the character movements are sometimes very picky and you have to be exactly in front of the ladder that you want to climb up and stuff like that or or the jumping is it looks like a triangle and so on so I really wanted to make that at least pretty good, but um, the, the whole style of the game should be very, very old school. And that's how the game basically emerged from from that basic idea. And it is, it is, you know, whilst it's retro kind of looking, you know, like Jörg mentioned, there is an interesting catch to it. And, and that is that in the game, you know, you can switch with wherever your shadow is. So you can... You know, if you get in trouble, you can pop over where your shadow is and then where you where your shadow now is and all this stuff. So how did yes. you come up with that? Yeah, that was uh, interesting because I also thought the game should at least have some original element to it. So I don't want to make just a clone of Load Runner or something like that. And I thought there has to be some feature that you have to use and... I played a game on the Ouya console. I don't know if you know that console. What? I do. 
What is it's it? A, it's an it's a Android console that oh, came out okay. in, uh, in 2013, but it was not so successful as it uh, seemed initially. But there was one game where you can um, you can set your spawn point uh, at any given time. And um, I thought about doing something like this, and then I thought, okay, you can place your spawn, uh, you can place a teleport point or something like that. But then I thought it's too complicated to have this kind of setting a point, then later teleporting back to it and so on. And then the idea came that it would be much nicer to play if if you would immediately switch between two um, characters, basically, and that uh, or the basically the shadow and the real character. So that was how I came up with the idea, and I was quite happy with that, because I think it's really... I, I don't know any other game that has the same feature. Later, I learned about a game called uh, Alter Ego, which has a, let's say, similar idea, but it's still not really the same idea. But I'm, I'm quite happy that I didn't copy um, a game uh, completely or something like that. But uh, still, of course, there are lots of people comparing it to Load Runner and Jumpman and so on. But that's fine for me because uh, it was part of the idea to make a very, very classic platform game. For me, it felt a bit like playing Castles of Dr. Creep again. Okay, so the, the interesting thing about that is I actually had the game when I was a kid, but I didn't understand it really because I think I only played the tutorial and not the real game. And when the tutorial was over, I thought, okay, so that was everything, yeah, and... And uh, I didn't really get the point of the game, but uh, later I learned that the tutorial was not everything, and there is actually a real game behind it. But I, I still have to play it, yeah? so I still really never really got into it. But I, I will, I will check it out maybe on the next retro event or something like that. Wow! If games were so easy, huh? Just playing the tutorial. I beat it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it was really strange. I didn't understand what it was about. I thought, is it really a game or is it more like a concept or whatever? I, I was really not sure back at, at that time, but I was, I don't know, I was maybe 12 or something like that. And I, I somehow I didn't find the start the real game option in the menu or whatever I did wrong. I don't know. Maybe also the disc was faulty. I don't know. Mm. So, so what's coming up next? What, what is your plan? What's your next games plan? Yeah, that's a bit difficult at the moment because um, in between all the other games, I made a PC game, which was originally just intended for one special event. And then it uh, grew a bit from that. And I wanted to release it as a PC download game, but I still um, haven't done it to this day. At the moment, I'm trying to focus on that one just to get it out of the pipeline. Wasn't as that Heimatspiel or something? Yeah, yeah, it's called Heimat Games, which is, um, Heimat is a German word, basically meaning something like home, but not home in sense of your house, but more of the of the village and countryside where you are from. Oh. So it is a very... Uh, yeah, it's a very cheesy um, village-style game where people walk around with lederhosen and beer and so on, and and there are cows and tractors and so on. And it is also a four-player game. It's a little bit like a like a small summer games type game, but with a funny um, funny village stuff, countryside um, 
ideas. But yeah, I want to get that out from the pipeline, of course, because I don't want to start another game until it's finished. It basically it is finished, but I still have to polish it up to make a real um, possible release out of it. And then I think I want to go back to the C64, of course. I also thought about porting it to the C64, but I think it's not really possible to um, really port it because it has too many sprites and so on. So who, who said the same thing about Super Mario Bros? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I don't want to make any compromises. That's the, that's my problem. So if I cannot really, if I cannot really. Um, um, make the thing happen or I have to make some compromises with some sprites or, or the looks of some sprites that, I, that I'm already used to uh, it's difficult for me to say okay I will do it uh, half-assed or something like that so that's that's the reason why I don't want to do it uh, of course nothing that should be nothing bad about the Super Mario game um, I, actually I think it's quite cool but on the other hand there are some slowdowns and some sprites that are popping up um, later in the frame and not from the side and I personally wouldn't like to have such a port so that's but that, that's just my personal um, feeling here about my own game so I, I think I will probably only port it once I find a real solution to do it uh, but um, yeah so that's uh, that's that's what I'm currently working on but for the C64 I have a few ideas but I'm not really sure which one I should really implement and maybe I will have another idea until um, until the time comes or or use the um RAM expansion as we learned from Sam's journey you can use RAM expansion to to um get around some limitations that was totally awesome to me yeah, that's true, but I think in my case the the RAM is not the problem. It's more the the amount of sprites and the resolution of the sprites. Actually, when we did an interview with Chester Colson, he said we didn't use the RAM per se, but um, um, routines the, the RAM fast, expansion the fast allow. DMA. Uh, yeah, exactly the fast DMA. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, exact exact um perfect point for the next thing you actually you actually released your own cartridge with built-in joystick ports how did that happen yeah that was a coincidence because there was a guy from holland and he was asking me um uh he's a big fan of cartridges and i didn't think about that at the moment and he asked me if he can do a frogs cartridge but i was not interested in that because i felt that I don't know, um, Frogs was just a small little party game and I didn't w really want to make a, a cartridge just with Frogs. I, I wanted to make more four-player games on one cartridge. And of course, there was also Shotgun, so it was a possible idea to include both games on one cartridge. And then he, um, the thing was, at that time, the um, four-player adapters were sold out everywhere. And the guy from Holland, he um, said uh, he wants to build some by himself. And I said, yeah, that's, that would be really a cool idea. And then he had uh, another idea the next day to include um, the four-player adapter into the cartridge itself. And that was a really cool idea. So um, we agreed on producing that. And, and, and that was also really a popular, popular release then because it's a nice package and it's a bit unique and... 
um, it, yeah, it brings the necessary ports uh, right right with the cartridge. That's pretty a cool idea. So, greetings to him. He's called Sam55 in the internet. So, he's a fan of cartridges, and I'm uh, really glad that this thing happened. Yeah, interesting story here. That um, when I got this cartridge, I also got the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate swinset and actually i found a bug in the ultimate swinset thanks to this cartridge there was some interference between the cartridge logic and the sit ultimate swinset so actually they fixed the problem so thanks to the cartridge i figured out there was a problem with um the firmware on this device so totally, okay, totally cool. awesome thing. So this yeah. cartridge helped the product to improve and get a, a rid of some bugs in it, which is actually a nice coincidence. That's really cool, yeah. Because the problem with cartridge games nowadays on the Commodore 64 is that they are all relying on PLA stuff. And since so many Commodore 64 don't have original PLAs anymore, but, you know, third-party PLAs, some cartridges don't work on some PLA um, um, clones. Replacements. Yeah, pl replacements. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know that um, there would be similar issues with SID replacements. There are tons of SID replacements as as well as PLA replacements. Oh. So um, <laughs> looks like like those um, new cartridges are not really tested for compatibility with those clones or the other way around. I don't know. I guess the hardware manufacturers only test stuff with the stock C64 things but not with the third party well, it's tough to test for every single third party sid or something that's being put out because there's so many different ones and they're coming out all the time that when yeah. when, the, when the hardware was designed they might not that that extra swin sid may not have even been a thing yet yeah sometimes it's also hard to hard to get them so sometimes they are only short runs of the swin sid and so on and I can understand that it's hard to test uh, against everything, uh, of course. Hmm. But, so, but speaking, yeah, that's interesting. Speaking of the SID, so so aside from just coding the games, you also have done music for them and and graphics for them as well. Yeah. So what's 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 your 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 favorite aspect of that? Like like what do you, is there something you prefer? Do you prefer doing music to graphics or 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 to coding or something? Or is coding because for me. I was a graphics guy, and I got tired of waiting for my stuff to get used, so I learned to code so that I didn't have to wait for other people to use my graphics. But for me, coding was just a means to an end to get my stuff done. I think I like all the all the aspects of the game programming stuff, so um, graphics, obviously, and music. Um, I also made music in my free time um, back then, or not on the C64, but with real synthesizers and so on. So it's all, all stuff that I'm interested in. Um, and also the programming part of it was um, very exciting for me at some time. But I have to say, since I'm also working in the in the software development, uh, um, yeah, I'm... I have to say that maybe programming is even, even the least part, uh, favorite part of mine because 
at some point you just want to get the game ready and you don't care so much about the implementation details. Uh, of course, some other people are totally different and they love to code and and so on. I, I still enjoy it also, but but I'm sometimes I would be glad if I could um, get the idea out quicker. So I'm also more into designing the game, having the idea for the game, making the graphics, the music. So it's it's the overall package uh, in 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 the end. And I think that's also the nice uh, one of the nicest things about game programming that there are so many different uh, things that are coming together to make the whole thing. So it's not just making graphics or just making music. It's really, you have to you have to do all the aspects of the game and I really enjoy that uh, overall process. And I think that's that's really cool that, that this, uh, this one hobby basically brings together all the other hobbies. So that's really cool about game programming. So we could say you are the Richard Bayless of Germany. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you are just not releasing games so often as he yeah, does. That's, that's maybe true, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's interesting. There's There seems to be a lot of people who do multiple things. I mean, look look at um, our own Andrew Fisher, who is a composer and a coder. Or mm -hmm. as we said, Richard Bayliss, who is also part of Scene World, doing everything. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting because... When I did when I did interviews, you know, um, with pioneers like Chris Craig or um, or um, who was the coder of Ghostbusters again? Um, I forgot. David Crane. David Crane, yeah. They all told me, ah, oh, back then when we had to when we had to code in the early eighties, we all, we only were a team of one person for oh, one yeah. game. And times were so great when suddenly we were working in teams, and nowadays we are talking to to Richard Bayless, or as we talk now to Christian, and now <laughs> there is this one game uh, by, made by one person again. It's interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's really it's really cool that it's still possible to make a game as one person and still have people enjoy it. So that's really. That's really what I also think it's cool. And I, I have to say, I think there are different types of persons because let's say a programmer who can absolutely only program and not do any graphics and, and music, he's pretty glad if he has a good team. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. But for my part, it's sometimes, um, it's hard sometimes to, to work with other people because I have a vision in my head and sometimes uh, if, if someone else is doing the graphics and they look different from what I had intended, um, I, I have a hard time um, accepting that and, and, and I want to do everything my way. So maybe I, I also thought about that a lot and I thought maybe I'm more the person who makes everything on his own just because it's... it's um, it's a bit difficult maybe for me to um, to work with other people and share the vision and, and not having full control over everything. So I think that also depends a little bit on the person, but it can be also fun to, to work in teams. Uh, but, but one thing that I really have to say is really cool about working on yourself, uh, all on your own is that um, you don't have to wait basically until other people have their stuff together because sometimes it can be really hard if if the initial enthusiasm is very high and then after a few weeks 
it's hard to communicate about uh, the progress and yeah have you have you done something new and no i'm still working on it i even have that problem with myself also sometimes because sometimes you're lazy and uh, not in the mood for doing that but then i'm responsible for it on my own and i'm not um, relying too much on on other people getting their stuff together so it all has its uh, ups and downs of course so i think that's it depends on the person But you're not only your own coder, own graphic artist, and own composer. You're also your own publisher and publish the games commercially. Yeah, that's also true. But I'm also at the moment in the progress, um, in the process of working with other possible publishers and so on. Because I really have to say, it was interesting to do it, and I wanted to do it. But at some point, it gets also a bit. Um, Yeah, it's it's also a lot of work if you have to build everything yourself and sell it and 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 package it and so on and and it also takes away time from developing new games. So I have a little bit discovered that I should focus more on producing the game and 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 maybe try to find someone else who can help me with selling and uh, publishing and so on. So, but it's still an interesting thing that I always wanted to do so that was the reason why I did it for shotgun and then also for my for my next releases of course but I this is the thing probably in the future that I would uh, like to collaborate with other people well the good thing is we are in good times there are so many publishers for <laughs> Commodore 64 games Archie City, Psychnosis, Protovision, Polyplay oh my god yeah that's really cool You know, yeah, and and then and then um, it's also a trend in the last 10, 20 years that small publishers unite into one, or uh, coders start publishing over others, just just to to see, for example, out of order games suddenly being published by Protovision, and Bomb Mania was originally published by Classical Games. But then, then they decided to not publish it themselves again, but doing it under the wings of Protovision. So it's interesting. Yeah, I, th I think it's good because, of course, all the all the publishers they are not so much in uh, uh, having competition. I think they are more like we are all in this together, and uh, I think it's cool that they uh, collaborate and. As I said, it's it's also a lot of work, and 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 for uh, in some cases it might make more sense to to really just be a publisher or just be a developer than trying to have both, uh, especially as one person. So it's really cool that there are so many people interested in uh, in doing these kind of things today. My Bomb Mania and Ice Guys version is still the one from Classical Games, so they are kind of rare now. <laughs> <laughs> Not having a Protovision logo in front of it? Wow. Um, so, what is your dream? Do you want to make um, um, a publishing hit like Sam's Journey that published over thousands of copies next? Or what? what's your next plan? Do you want to, I don't know, um, spread, be spread more, or are you more for this small party games? Uh, it's difficult to answer, actually. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Of course, um, it's always nice if the games are played by almost everyone and so on. So, of course, that's the ultimate goal, probably. Um, it's not my ambition to try to uh, to be better than Sam's journey or something like that. But, um, yeah, of course, I'm also... I also like to try different things. So in in the beginning, I thought I will continue making four-player games, but at some point, I thought mm, uh, I want to do something different, and that's what uh, why Shadow Switcher came out. And people were happy with the game because also they were in the beginning they were a little bit um, yeah nagging that uh, about the fact that my games cannot be played as a single-player uh, experience. So I thought, yeah, why not make a single-player game this time? Actually, um, there's a two-player mode in Shadow Switcher, which is quite interesting. But yeah, so that was also some kind of making a different thing this time. But I think it's, uh, I think I will probably stick more to the little bit simpler games, or not not trying to make epic games. Not, uh, yeah, not not a pun to the publisher now. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the those large ambitious projects they tend to take forever, especially as one person and you're the only one who's kicking yourself in the ass to do something. So that can be quite uh, yeah problematic. Well, I, can at, I can be at your service. I will send you a message each week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he will. Don't test him. Okay. <laughs> um, well, a, a little, a little succession. Why don't you make um, instead of a four-player game, you make a forty-player game? You know, <laughs> network games is a field that um, isn't really something that people went deep into. A C sixty-four MMORPG. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a good question, but I think I also have a good answer. Because network games are really problematic. I have thought about the the principle of network gaming, and the, there is really there are really some problems that cannot be really solved. You can only hide them a little bit, and and the more two D the game is, and the more exact and pixel perfect the game is, the less um, easy it is to hide those those uh, network lag problems and so on. So, mm -hmm. And as I said before, I don't want to do um, stuff that cannot be done. So that's that's why I will probably not look too much into that uh, kind of topic. Too but best. yeah, so I'm, 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 I actually prefer to, to stick a little bit more to the established stuff. Of course, I'm, that doesn't mean that I'm just cloning uh, game concepts. I'm, I really try to come up with something on my own. But um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to do too uh, ambitious stuff and stuff that is too experimental because in the end I want to make a game that people enjoy and, 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 and uh, that's why sometimes the easy stuff or the simple stuff is a little bit um, more effective in the, in, in the end, in my opinion. I, I just remember the... That once, you know, Richard Bayliss was known or is still known for his little games and so on. For the same re reasons you have mentioned, he wants to get things done. And then in 2008, he came up with his Sub Hunter conversion from the VIC 20 to the C64. And that was a brilliant game, a huge game with intro, outro, animation, colorful graphics, all that stuff, and large gameplay. So. 
I still think it is possible. Um, of course, I will still continue buying your games. Um, but of course, I also would would support you if you decide, okay, my next game takes three years because it will be a bigger game. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to say because um, you never know what, what kind of ideas you have in one or two years. So I might change everything, of course. But in, in general, I, th I also have a few ideas for a little bit larger games. But for me, the, as I said, I don't want to make compromises, especially on the gameplay side. And some of the larger concepts also take some things into account that are not really possible on a, on a C64. Like you have only fi one fire button. And if you have to, more actions on the, on the uh, player character, you have to find compromises how to control it. And if it makes the... Um, the game not as playable as it would be without that function. I'm not really a fan of, of, of still putting it in just because there is no other way of doing that. So for me, really, the, the game has to be um, it has to be really good playable. So so that's the reason why I'm I'm hesitating a little bit when when it comes to more ambitious uh, ideas. But I'm still thinking sometimes about those ideas and and as soon as if i have a really good concept i will uh, think about um starting to implement uh, the game but but in general i hope that i will never uh, work on a game for three years or so because it can be really yeah i don't know it's i think it's a bit too too long for me i think one year is the absolute maximum But I don't know how it will turn out, so everything can change, of course. So don't take my words too uh, seriously. <laughs> oh, another idea. A new light gun game would be great. There are not Jeez. many good light gun games. Yeah. Not, not many good light that's, guns either. Oh, so oh for the Commodore 64? Yeah. There's this Magnum light gun, I have it. It's great. Yeah, it's you've got very it. Accurate. You're the only one that does. No, Andrew Fisher got it too. Well, actually, um, I only played the first the first time I really played a light gun game. Uh, I think it was not so long ago, so I never never really had the chance to play it until recently, and I was a bit disappointed because I had the feeling that I always hit the hit the screen because it was too um, it was on the NES, and I think it was not so exact or I was too far away from the TV yeah. or whatever. It so it was too far away. Yeah, so so it's it's more like a gimmick and not really, it's not really my uh, kind of thing then because I, as I said, I want to make uh, something with good gameplay, and if it's just using some gimmick because it's cool, it's not it's not really my kind of stuff. So uh, so other people can do that, but I try <laughs> to I try to keep my my typical arcade style. Kind of gameplay. If I ever, if I ever happen to make a good Wolfenstein 3D clone on the C64, I will do that. Yeah. But this will probably never happen because I would also have to do some compromises. And don't, don't, uh, don't suggest now the super CPU version or so because that's, that's really, <laughs> I, I really have to say I'm really not impressed by this kind of stuff. So well, it's Metal just because great thing. Huh? Metal Dust was a great thing. Uh, even, even, I, I, actually, I, I will see, say this now in public because I also talked about uh, with uh, Chester about that game. 
actually never played it, but um, I just saw it on, on YouTube and I asked him what he thinks about the game because, um, yeah, in my opinion, when I looked at the game, it doesn't really look like it's it's so necessary, uh, so dependent on the super CPU. So it, it looked to me like an almost ordinary um, C64 game. And, and as opposed to that, um, Sam's Journey is a normal stock C64 game and it looks absolutely fantastic. And he said that the, I hope I'm, uh, I'm allowed to share this information, but he said um, he, he just continued the Metal Dust game. It was started by someone else. And he still, and he said on uh, by himself, he's not um, he's not thinking that it's uh, it's a super example for the super CPU. So it just happens that it uses the super CPU, but I think um, it's not really how how should I say that um, demanding enough? Yeah, probably. I don't know. So, and I'm also not a fan of this uh, of the super CPU in in general. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit, uh, it misses the point a little bit. I don't know. So, um, and the Wolfenstein clone, it was just, I don't know. It looks, it looks bad. No one would, would play that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure no one would really play that on that thing. It's just to let it run for one second and show it to everyone. Uh, yeah, the C64 can do it with the super CPU and that's it. So, mm. I would prefer to make games that really um, people really want to play. The Super so, CPU to me always felt like it was really geared more towards like the Geo's crowd, the people doing the kind of productivity stuff. But for gaming, it just seemed like, eh, I, I never liked it for that or for just general use. You know, it was it had its its purpose, but it was for people that were like using this as their main machine. For someone just playing a game, they shouldn't need to have a, a super cpu i still use it regularly yeah for gaming too hmm. <laughs> for example test drive now super mario and uh, whenever i have to crunch something i'd rather crunch within seconds than uh, minutes now, or hours yeah now super mario that new super mario doesn't need i've got i played it on my 128 and that the turbo on the 128 was perfect it, it handled it like a champ yeah, but but I'm not I'm not building up my Commodore 128 just for one game. Um, well, but anyway. you don't need to build it up. I mean, mine's stock. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I just mean I don't have a space for it. I just have my C C64 as a main computer, so that's Until good enough. Until you for get me. the 128 RM, and then you can put it in your C64 case. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> happened to that. The Homepage is down. I don't know is what it? happened to that. Oh, yeah. oh crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, where can people find your stuff, Christian? Yeah, of course, on my website. It's called uh, com. So it's written D-R-W-U-R-O.com. And you can find lots of nice things there. And um, all the games can be downloaded for free. So there's no um, need to buy it. Of course, you can do that, but uh, I'm not forcing anyone. We and recommend everybody support game developers. <laughs> I got physical copies of all games and I don't regret it. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for doing all those awesome games. Yeah, I, I hope I will 
continue a little while. <laughs> of course. We there do still too. We, we totally do too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the next for the next 30 years we we are safe, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when I stop working, I can say okay, now I have enough time to play new games from Dr. Yeah, Ru exactly. Industries. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so thanks for taking the time and we will let you know when we put this out. All right? Was yeah. a very, very fun interview. Thanks a lot. Yes, Thanks indeed. a lot, too. I have learned a lot of, uh, about game development uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, good night. Okay. Yeah. See you. Bye. Bye.